Welcome to the Child Care Business Coach Podcast with Evelyn Knight, where mindset mechanics come together for success. Evelyn Knight is the leader of the ECE revolution and is on a mission to touch 1 million children's lives through the elevation of the ECE community. Hello and welcome to the Child Care Business Coach Podcast. My name is Evelyn Knight. I hope everybody had a restful weekend and that you feel super recharged and just ready to conquer this week. So today we are talking about something very personal to me because I am a leader who has ADHD and I actually was diagnosed with three different types of ADHD. For those of you who don't know, there's actually seven different types of ADHD and it's the different things that are happening in your brain that causes the ADHD. So there's seven types and I have three out of the seven. So I know that Sometimes it can be difficult for the people who work underneath me to work underneath me, dealing with the issues I have. And I've been on a journey now for quite a while trying to figure it out, trying to really just find relief, not only for myself, but the people who have to answer to me, even my own family. Just I know it is not easy all the time, especially in times of my life that I'm allowing the ADHD to really get out of control. And one thing about ADHD is it's like when one portion of your life is out of control, it all feels out of control. So for those of you out there who do have ADHD, or if you have been suspicious that this may be you, we are going to talk a lot about this. Or if you have some traits that you might be like, "Eh, is it me? The other thing I do want to premise on this, as I was really researching this, uh, doing this as an episode for my podcast, um, one of the things that really struck out to me is how much anxiety and dealing with some deep anxiety issues can mirror ADHD. Now, I've studied this for a long time. Um, I just want to do the legal thing and tell you that I am not a doctor. I am not an expert in, um, ADHD. I do have a degree in psychology, but I'm by no means an expert. This is all informational. Uh, I am not trying to diagnose anybody and I would really highly recommend that you do talk to an expert, get a brain scan, do all the things that to know for sure, if this is who you are seek the medical expert to really understand is it anxiety that I'm dealing with or is it ADHD? For me, I know, well, for a couple of reasons, I have had brain scans and that is really one of the only true ways that you can know for sure that you have ADHD. The second thing is it's been my entire life. I can remember as far as um, second grade, to be honest, where I had these different uh, characteristics that I would exhibit. And I remember being ostracized, in fact, uh, when I was in the second grade from my teacher because I couldn't concentrate. I just couldn't focus. I would daydream all the time. And so I was actually, me and another boy in my class, in my second grade class, we were actually set aside from the rest of the children. We were literally, our desks were put aside and we were turned around to face the other way because we couldn't keep up. 
So we had this label and now I see it's not that I couldn't, I was labeled as like incompetent and then special and I couldn't. And my mom would tell everybody that um, I had my umbilical cord wrapped around my neck when I was born, which is true. And that's why I was special because it cut off the oxygen to my brain. And so it made me slow. She would literally say that to people right in front of me. So for a long time, I believed that. I truly believed that to be who I was, but now I know it's not true. And that's why I want to talk about this because I have lived with so much shame throughout my entire life and wondering what is wrong with me? Why can't I get it together? I may look to you who watch me, right? Like I really have it together, but what you don't see is how much work it takes how much work it takes, how much my staff has to come after me, how I have a staff member that's job is to keep after me, right? Those are the things that you don't see. I am a true visionary and I know that God has gifted me with something that I have to put out into the world, which is just my ability to create and make things beautiful. And God has gifted me with this heart for early childhood education. So I know I've got to do it. And I know I have to get a handle on the ADHD so that I can fulfill my purpose. So one of the big things I really want to focus on, and most of you in my audience are women. So I'm going to talk to men and women today, but this portion is for you women out there. And yes, there is a difference. There is a difference in our physiological and neurological networks being born a female. And here's the thing, ADHD goes highly underdiagnosed in women for a very important reason. It looks very different in a woman than it does a man. And here's the kicker. In the 1970s, when ADHD became a thing and everybody was doing the research on it and it was actually becoming a diagnosable condition, the only test subjects were males. They were all boys. No females were included in the test subjects. They were looking at the neurology and they were looking at what was going on. And basically what's happening is in our prefrontal cortex here, um, there's not enough blood flow. So the part of our brain that regulates our brain is literally not working. It doesn't work like a normal person's, right? So like right now I can hear my dogs barking. I can't shut those things out. Somebody else, you can be having a conversation with somebody in a room and there could be other conversations happening, right? And you can shut out all the other conversations and just listen to the one in front of you. People with ADHD, we can't do that. I can't shut out the noise. I can't. So when I'm doing different work, I can't be in my office working on something and have somebody else working on something like, or in a meeting that I can hear. I cannot like I don't have tunnel vision. My kids used to tease me that I needed horse blinders walking through stores and stuff because everything is like, ooh, squirrel. I mean, that is a real thing for me. Real thing, right? So, and I'm sorry, I just lost, that's the ADHD, right? I just totally lost track of where I was going with this. But basically, it's really important to understand that um, your prefrontal cortex isn't getting enough blood. So whether you're male or female, it happens to all of us, right? And there are different things 
that happen, which is why there's seven different types. There's different parts of the brain that aren't getting enough blood. There's different symptoms. There's different ways your body reacts. Well, the reason that it became so obvious in boys is because their symptoms are very physical. They're very, very physical. So when you think about ADHD and maybe you've thought, well, I don't have ADHD because I'm not jittery or I'm not, you know, all those, like, I'm not very hyper, uh, which there is ADD attention deficit disorder. And then there's ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Okay. Which I, I definitely have the hyperactivity. Um, but boys are very physical. They may be impulsive physically. The, the physical, the physicality of it comes out in them. In females, it's not the same. It's not the same. In females, the symptoms that are prevalent in order to diagnose a female with ADHD are restlessness, uh, females to, to daydream. Uh, they are disorganized. They are forgetful. Um, and here's one that is very, very under talked about. They're very hard on themselves and that's a man or a woman. There is a lot of shame and guilt. I will come back to that, but there's some other things that are going on here. Um, they, here are the most unknown symptoms that aren't very talked about. Uh, they are compulsive, almost like addictive type of tendencies. Um, and there's a reason for that. I definitely have the compulsivity issues for me. It's shopping. I will just, I gotta have it. Amazon can be my worst enemy in the world, right? Online shopping is probably the worst thing that happened to me sometimes, not always because we need that dopamine hit because we're not getting enough blood flow here. We're not getting enough uh, stimulation. We need, we feel that need and that desire to stimulate our brain somehow. So we need that either adrenaline rush or we need a dopamine hit. And then if you've ever, if you follow me on social media, you can see like, I push myself to a lot of adrenaline rushes, right? I am terrified of heights. Like I cannot even begin to tell you, it is not just a fear. It is an actual phobia. Yet I forced myself to walk across bridges at the Grand Canyon, even though my legs barely worked. I literally crawled at some points and cried my way through, but I forced myself. It's those adrenaline rushes that make your brain feel like they're normal. Um, there is a very big lack of time management. We don't have a concept of time like you guys who normally function in the world. It's very difficult for us to understand time. So we're chronically late. We're last to the party, right? Uh, it's a huge thing I just really struggle with. And I've had to create so many methods for myself, which is why I teach time management so beautifully, because I have struggled with time management my entire life. And I will tell you, sometimes I fall off the wagon of my time management. If my routine is off at all, like I moved to a new house eight months ago, and it's been really hard for me to get back on track because for me, it has to be so systematic and so routine. So time management is a big one. We don't understand or feel time the way somebody with a mainstream brain would, right? Uh, the next one is going to be emotional. We tend to get pretty emotional. It's just this lack of emotional regulation. And a lot of this is lack of regulation because 
the thing in our brain that regulates us, almost like the line leader, right? Or if you are thinking in terms of an army general who is getting troops to march into duty, there's that one person in the front who's calling the shots. It's almost like that person is broken in our brains. So everybody's kind of going its own direction and there's no one calling. It's all the noise happening at once. And that one thing that's supposed to be leading, it's like a classroom without a teacher. Okay. That's literally what it's like. Imagine if the teacher wasn't in the room to direct and to guide. That's pretty much our teacher in the room is broken and it it just doesn't get stimulated enough. So that is why we're seeking these things. And we don't quite have that time management um, down. The other one is we're workaholics. And one very unknown, um, probably the most unknown shocking thing that you'll find is that people with ADHD tend to be extremely successful. And it kind of that workaholic and high functioning go hand in hand. I appear to the world as very high functioning, right? My inner circle probably knows that I'm a little, I'm, I'm not a little, I am pretty chaotic. Uh, I have a lot of systems in place to keep me on track. I have had to learn if I don't have systems, I am absolute complete chaos. And a lot of times I have to tell myself, bring it back in, bring it back in, Evelyn. Remember the steps, breathe. I do all the things, quick breathing exercise right there and then right in the moment to bring my brain back in. Right. But techniques I've learned over the years over the years to self-regulate because my brain's not normally self-regulating for me. So it appears like we are very high functioning, like we are very, very, very together, but, and we're workaholics and really we're workaholics because we can't sit still. I can't sit still. (laughs) So I end up finding things to do and we have to constantly stimulate our brain. And it's like just that constant go, go, go. I got to do it. When I read a book, I put it on my audible and I'm cleaning my house. I'm doing dishes. That's how I learn. I literally like learning and just doing the research just to do this episode that I'm doing for you right now. I'm walking around with my notebook, right? My notebook with my notes that my talking points and I'll listen um, to one of the books that I've read, like little, I, I actually take notes, like clippets out of the different books I read. And I'll just like, okay, what do I need to remember? How do I need to refresh my brain on what I've learned about this? And I'll just like play my clips. And I'm walking around as literally, as I was researching this, I'm literally walking around, mopping my house, vacuuming, sweeping, doing all the things. I even clean my carpets just take my notebook around, making notes really quick, pausing the recording, take a note, pause the recording, take a note. I cannot just sit and learn like you would. I can't do it. If I'm taking a class, it is torture. I will get up and walk and pace in the side of the room. I also have narcolepsy. So that makes it compounds things a little bit more. So usually I'll go and talk to an instructor, whoever's teaching a course and just say, Hey, look, I have narcolepsy and I also have ADHD. Together, that is not good for me sitting through a seminar or a class. So please forgive me if I stand at the back of the room and just pace a little bit, or even if I just seem fidgety. I've 
always have tons of fidget toys around me, tons of fidget toys to help me. Um, one of the best things I've found are, are acupressure rings. You guys I kid you not acupressure bracelets and acupressure rings. I wish I had one around me right now, but I use them all the time because they stimulate my sensory issues and a lot of things like right now, I even have these things that I can just anything I can move with my hands. I'll even knit like at church. I'll take knitting with me, whatever I need to do, take lots of notes to be moving and stimulating, even if it's my hands. And if you've ever noticed, I talk with my hands. It's just all part of the symptoms. So I want to come back though. I want to back up and talk about uh, the last thing. I think I, the hyper-focus. And um, I did talk about how we hyper-focus, right? And that is always a shocker because people with ADHD can't focus. So how is it that during certain times we can suddenly hyper-focus? How is that possible? So what happens with the hyperfocus is um, we end up in situations that we put ourselves in, usually high adrenaline situations that causes the blood to really start flowing, right? Because now our adrenaline is rushing through our head and that stimulates that little um, teacher in our brain to take over and take control. But it is an overdrive because it's usually an adrenaline rush. That is why so many people with ADHD procrastinate. We procrastinate because now we're at like, oh my gosh, papers due tomorrow. This was me in college. Sundays, Monday, tomorrow, I have a huge paper due, 30 pages. What am I going to do? It's Sunday evening. I'm writing all night long, right? The procrastination puts that pressure on us and it makes it so that now I have to perform. What am I going to do? I've got to get this done. And now that adrenaline is rushing and in to a certain extent, it becomes addiction and you've got the dopamine going because it, you're addicted now to this adrenaline rush. That's also causing you to have a dopamine rush. And now it's making your frontal lobe just come alive. Now your frontal cortex is alive, it's taking control, it's working, and bam, we go into action. I am a high performer under pressure. You put me in a pot of boiling water and man, can I perform. It's amazing. That's why I'm a public speaker. That's why I've stood in front of crowds of over 2,000 people and I don't drop. I, I, there's not, I, I can control that room, no problem. Because the adrenaline that I feel in that moment just drives me. It's what makes me so hyper-focused that I can get the job done. That's why I can take on big dads. People ask me, like, how do you do what you do? Like, how is it that just my week right now, I'm teaching a seminar later this week that I, one that has about 2,000 people enrolled. I have another one that has 6,000 people enrolled. I'm just um, doing all these things. Uh, it just I've got a book deal going. All of these balls I have to struggle. I'm juggling, right? It's the adrenaline. It's the dopamine I get from it. That is what makes me such a high performing person. And I, it also is what makes me exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Part of the problem is because we have these huge highs of adrenaline and dopamine that run through us. When we're done, the crash is huge. Whenever I go on a speaking engagement, it doesn't matter, you guys, if it's for 2,000 people 
or if it's for 20 people. My adrenaline is up there. I'm actually a very shy person and I'm actually an introvert. So standing in front of a room of 20 people is a lot harder and intimidating for me than 2000. When you're in front of larger crowds of people, like I would say even a hundred or more, it's almost like they just become one big thing to a certain extent. It's, It's a crowd, right? It's just a crowd. When you're in front of a room of 20 people or five people, there's individuals there. It's a little different. And because I am very shy and an introvert, oh, do I need my adrenaline for that? So it doesn't matter what the size. And then of course, a hundred people, that's intimidating, right? I mean, that's most people's biggest fear is uh, public speaking, which I thrive in because it just gets my adrenaline going as an introvert. It's like, that is, I'm just alive. And it wakes up that adrenaline that is sleeping in me and my whole brain is firing. So it makes me feel really good because something that normally doesn't work, works very well. That's why I do so well writing papers or writing things under the gun. You tell me that somebody, you need me to fill in to teach a presentation that's happening in an hour and um, somebody can't make it. I can do it like that. And I'll do an awesome job because that kind of pressure put on me is when I become alive. But when I'm done, I am exhausted, exhausted. So after a speaking engagement or whatever I do, I'm at the point now where I've learned I have to take a couple days off because I put so much of me into it. And if you've ever seen me live, you know, I just like, I get into it. My whole body and my energy, just, it takes so much energy for me. And if I don't have the energy, it's probably because I haven't been resting. I know there's been engagements where I I haven't really had that energy, it takes so much energy for me to be at that level that I really have to rest before and after because it is draining the amount of adrenaline that has to run through me to get me there. And that's with anything I have to perform. I put myself under a lot of pressure, a lot of times, a lot. I will do things to myself that are insane, like make commitments, that are $40,000, $50,000 that I don't know how I'm going to do, but I always figure it out because I know when I put myself in those pressure cookers, that's when my brain comes alive. What I didn't realize until I started doing research in ADHD and I started working with professionals in the field is that that is actually just a response to the ADHD. I didn't know that before this. So many of you out there, high performers, even if you're just a a center director or whatnot, and you put yourself in these high pressure situations and you kill it when you're in those situations, but then you're exhausted and you're stuck in this cycle, right? In this reciprocal cycle, that's just as you kill it, but then you're exhausted, you kill it and you're exhausted. And it's so hard to find that balance. And if all of the things I've said today really resonate with you, I highly recommend you reach out to your doctor. Now, suffering from anxiety can be very, very similar. Anxiety, people with anxiety don't usually have the hyper focus. Uh, That's not usually there. You usually can't focus at all. Um, The, but the time management is usually there. The uh, compulsivity can also be there because you're looking for the dopamine, right? And the dopamine just to make you feel good. But, um, 
you may not be a workaholic, you might have really struggled, but really wait, how far back in your history can you see this? In females, um, ADHD is very typical. ADD and ADHD usually comes out around the age of 12. Now I was much younger, much younger. I was about seven when it became very apparent in me. Uh, but, and in boys, uh, like five to seven is normal. By the way, uh, most of my information that I get has come from my own personal, um, um, oh my gosh, the word just left my brain. That is the narcolepsy, not the ADHD, but my own psychotherapist, whose name is Amy Van Slambrook. Some of that will come from Amy. And then the other is Dr. Um, wow, Dr. Ammon and he, Daniel Ammon, who is genius, probably one of the most world-renowned experts on ADHD. Highly recommend you check out his website. He has a quick online test that will help you. Now I'm not, I, I am going to say an online test cannot diagnose you. Uh, the only true way you can get diagnosed is through imaging. And again, I'm not a doctor. That's just from my own personal life experience, being someone who's diagnosed with three types of ADHD and studying this from several different doctors. Those two are not the only people I've studied, um, but they are just so amazing that if you start there and a lot of the information I'm bringing to you today, those are the sources I got them from, uh, especially Dr. Daniel Ammon. He is amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, ironically, Mel Robbins also has some great information out there for women who have ADHD. Awesome. But Dr. Ammon, what I really love about him is he has courses that can help you to train your brain, to help you with those hacks in order to manage it and to be high functioning. That's where I, I've learned a lot and I've adapted. Uh, there's a bunch of people who have some awesome stuff out there, which I'm actually thinking about putting some courses together on it. So let me know in the comments if you would like me to put a course together on being an ADHD leader, because uh, I have taken so many courses and done a lot on this, which is why I can still function. Um, but, uh, Marie Forleo does some great work on this, but Dr. Ammon also has a lot of natural supplements. Uh, after I was for many, many years, I was on a lot of medication between the narcolepsy, the cataplexy and uh, having ADHD. And I really just didn't want to take meds anymore. I really wanted to be medication free. So I really am appreciative to Dr. Ammon and the amount of natural alternatives that he has to dealing with ADHD. I am hundred percent natural, which I think uh, sometimes I question maybe having, you know, something here and there, but for the most part, I can regulate just fine. I do have to have a lot of tricks up my sleeve in order to regulate, but I can make it work. So I hope this was helpful for you. And I hope this is some information that you can use. Um, I am going to link some different uh, things in the description. I will link to Dr. Ammon um, and just uh, probably Dr. Ammon's page. That's what I will link for you guys just so you have the information um, from his research is just phenomenal. He's done over 60,000 brain scans on ADHD and he has really just studied it from the inside out. So Again, let me know if this resonates with you. And if you would like to see more on this subject, it is something that's near and dear to my heart because it is something I struggle with. Maybe um, I'll do an episode on dealing with employees who are ADHD or working with somebody because you may not have ADHD, but maybe your employee does. So maybe we can, or your child, 
but dealing with people with ADHD, I know it's not easy. Maybe I can have my staff do one of those for you. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining Evelyn today. For more information, please visit childcarebusinessprofessionals.com.